Welcome to Lamestream here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. My name is Steve Cavendish. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Scavendish. If you like this pod, the one you're listening to right now, you can rate it, you can review it, you can subscribe to it, you can smash that subscribe button, which you should do. Uh, but mostly, we just want you to tell you and everyone, uh, yeah, tell you, tell yourself and everyone around you that <laughs> that you love lamestream sports and they should too. And tell yourself that, you know, just in case you need encouragement. We're doing it live. Three, doing two, it live. One. Three, two, one. Uh, okay. So Paul Karski is going to be our guest today on the show. Of course, Traylon Burks gets injured and sort of there's this news thing that happens on Wednesday in uh, Minnesota, not in Nashville, but Paul Karski is up there. And so we thought we would touch base with him. We've had a few interesting strategic decisions by the Titans when, as it pertains to media over the course of the last six months or so. You had Hassan Haskins getting in trouble with the law. They've got MPF getting suspended, their right tackle. They've got the Kevin Byard contract stuff, the rumors about Derrick Henry being traded. There's just been a lot of new stuff in terms of how they've uh, communicated with some of these different situations, uh, all of which, of course, is driven by the new general manager, Rand Carthon. So we thought we would talk with Paul Kaharski, give you guys a quick update on what's going on uh, with Titans coverage. So we'll talk to him for for a little while. I want then, Steve, to hear from you about the state of the Titans press corps in general as a longtime fan of, of, of the Titans and of, you know, critiquing media. <laughs> sure, uh, sure. I, I want to talk sort of big picture about where we are with our Titans press corps, not about like individuals per se, but just about the state of coverage uh, around the team. Paul talks a little bit about that as well. We will discuss our own personal journeys with Lionel Messi this week. I've got a very important question I need to ask you and the audience as it pertains to the match on Saturday evening in the League Cup final against Inter Miami for Nashville SC at Jodis Park. We'll just leave it at that. I've got some questions and I've had a journey this week. So we'll get to we'll get to it a little bit later on. And then, of course, re- recommendations as well. So before we do any of that, Lamestream Sports is brought to you by Jaspers. Always brought to you by the quarter zips at Jaspers. It is. It is, in fact, brought to you by Jaspers, which would be, as I'm going to tell you in a little while, a great place for me and my wife to go watch Nashville SC. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> go to Jasper's, everybody. The next evolution of the sports bar, uh, free parking, centrally located. Go check it out. Okay, so all that stuff coming up later. State of the Titans press corps, our own personal journeys with Messi, uh, some recommendations as well. So we'll do all of that after our conversation, which was with Mr. Paul Karski. PK, welcome to the show, man. Good to see you. Always a pleasure to have you, man. How are you? I'm well. I obviously have uh, just thrown on this shirt, which needs some collar adjustments. So there you go. <laughs> uh, very underrated aspect of any shirt is the, is the collar, how it lays, how it folds, how it sits. Very undervalued aspect of the collar. But we are not here to talk about shirts with you, Paul. We want you to talk about the Titans and their interaction with the media in general, the new administration, but also through camp. There's a few questions we want to talk to you about, whether it's uh, Hassan Haskins, whether it's NPF's issue off the field, uh, Kevin Byard's contract, a lot of stuff to get to. But let's start with uh, Wednesday this week, Traylon Burks gets injured and you were there. Can you sort of take us through just for those that weren't there and don't know what happened Just sort of quickly give us the rundown of, of what took place and how the Titans handled it from a communication standpoint? Well, it was one of two big plays. The Titans offense really all day. Uh, Burks made a nice play over defender, really reached for the ball, 
caught it then kind of went into an extended stumble. Um, you know, there's actually a video from the crowd uh, during a period that we weren't allowed to film anything ourselves. I kind of reviewed that. It was four or five steps of an extended stumble that took him to the ground. Then he rolled over on his side. It stood up immediately uh, and started started limping only a couple a step, a hop, a lean on the, the first teammate that showed up, another step. He bent over to put the ball down. He went to the ground. Um, they looked extensively at uh, at his left leg, at his knee. But then when he was carted off, he was holding uh, holding his calf, his upper calf under his knee. Um, Mike Rabel had spoken before the practice, which reporters never like, particularly a situation like this. There are going to be developments out of a joint practice with Minnesota. We don't need them extensively, but something's going to unfold during the course of the practice. That's news. If Traylon Burks didn't get hurt, you know, I would have liked to have asked him about the impact of the win uh, on the offense, because, uh, you know, there were a lot of uh, bad throws and missed connections and it was a heavy win, you know? So how do you factor in grading all of this or assessing how you do when you're, when you're dealing with, with such wins, but when Traylon Burks goes down, look, Mike Vrabel doesn't talk about injuries, but still, it should be in front of microphones and cameras uh, being asked a question about Traylon Burks and saying whatever he's going to, to say or or not say. Um, you know, this is what we said when we were told that Mike Vrabel was talking before this practice. Something's going to happen, and and we want to talk to the head coach after the practice, not before. We were told his schedule didn't allow for it. I don't know how his schedule's changed in some big way when he's been talking after practice every day of training camp, but on this day of practice, his schedule's changed in some massive way. Um, so that's annoying and frustrating. And then, uh, you know, so everybody's writing this, digging into everything. Um, nothing, nothing comes out from anywhere. I was out to dinner with a couple of the guys who are also here. You know, it's a minimum number of outlets. Uh uh, the Tennesseans here, um, ESPN is here, Jim Wyatt's obviously here. Uh, who am I forgetting? Is, um, I think, A to I think, Z is here. I think I'm Rex here. is Rexy is Rexy up there. Or Rex, is he just Rex Rhodes? Not here, so the athletics not right. here. Uh, right. the game is here. Jared Stillman's here. Um, you know, so I look, I, I sound like a whiner, I'm a big believer. The five or six of us watched this play happen, watched Traylon Burks be carted off. Our outlets have spent the money for us to be here. But inevitably what happens is Ian Rappaport gets gets the story that's a sprained LCL in, in the evening. And if you notice, and maybe he's caught up by now, but typically when something like that comes out, uh, a Rappaport or Schefter has it, and then the other guy quickly follows. Adam Schefter did not quickly follow. And the reason Adam Schefter didn't quickly follow, look, it, it's not hard to draw the dots here. You know, there's a chance I'm wrong, but I, I feel comfortable connecting the dots and telling you what I think happened. Ian Rappaport's very close with Rand Carthon. Very close. He bragged to me when Rand Carthon got the job. Rand Carthon's the only source I have that like knows my kids' names. He was boasting about it, and I was saying, "Oh, damn it, this is going to be awful." Um, <laughs> you know, he 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 was at practice last week and spent twenty minutes with Carthon uh, on on the sideline. You know, 
I'm connected to Burks through through a guy who was radio silent yesterday. Other people have connections. Nobody got anything back from anybody. And then Rappaport has an unmatchable report. Rand Carthon and Ian Rappaport are tight. And, um, you know, for what it's worth, the Titans have been really good historically at not being a team that that feeds too much to national reporters. Diana Rossini's been been pretty good on the Titans scene during the Vrabel era. But outside of that, big, big stuff has not generally come from national media. That may change now. And Ian Rappaport's got himself a pipeline. But Rand Carthon should know how obvious it is. I'm always bewildered when something like this happens. The the it means a lot more to the market than it does the like the Traylon Burks news means a lot more in Nashville than it does around the league. I mean, around the league, he's a you know he's maybe a number two wide receiver, maybe maybe a number three who's coming off of a a, a mixed a mixed rookie year. This is not huge news. It's huge news to the people that are covering it there and to the and to the you know to the readers back here in Nashville. Why do you why do you think that these things consistently get by get bypassed? You know, the local media gets bypassed in these situations. Well, again, I don't want to sound like a whiner, but Rand Carthon probably feels like he got his job partially from the exposure that Ian Rappaport gave him. Also, uh you know, a lot of people think this is just how it works. It is just how it works. So why go against the grain? Um, and uh, Traylon Burks, I, I agree with you. It's a much bigger story in Nashville than it is nationally. But fantasy football is a far bigger monster than we tend to give it credit for. And Traylon Burks's injury is a big deal for fantasy football. So in that regard, it is a big story nationally. Not the same way it's a big story for Titans fans, but in a, in a different way, it's very big in terms of adjusting lists and determining uh, how you're how you're rating Burks, how you're rating DeAndre Hopkins, how you're rating Chris Moore, uh, and how you're rating other receivers around the league who are yeah. you know affected by this. How, how would you describe the differences? In communication styles, I mean, I think we all know sort of the player's style element, the personality-driven communication style from Rand Carthon. But from John Robinson to Rand Carthon, and not just those two, but like the entire administration's top down, like how how are they? How would you describe the differences in in communication? Well, I mean, this is Mike Vrabel's team now, so uh, from my vantage point, so far, uh, it's it's a one man <laughs> operation as opposed to a two man operation. Quite frankly, uh, you know, I've uh, I'm struggling to develop a relationship with Rand Carthon. Frankly, um, if you want to joke around on the on the sideline with them, that that's available. Information wise, good luck. Uh, all right, let's some of the things that they've done recently, uh, and then I'll, I'll get to sort of some of the rules of practice, which I find interesting. Again, you mentioned the fans are posting videos, but but the media can't, uh, which is always fascinating to me. Uh, just let's let's uh, the MPF situation. Nicholas Petit Ferrer suspended six games, and then Hassan Haskins, of course, arrested with his his I guess then girlfriend at the time of uh, the alleged incident. So what they did was interesting to me is like the first day of practice. I think that they were both out there. Yep. They they put them both out there right away. 
to communicate with the press. They let them, they were available in scrum style it is, I mean, to me, that was the right thing for them to do. Uh, I assume, and, and I heard, heard most of the, the questions I was there for a lot of them. It's, you know, their lawyers were ready to go with the answers, of course, but isn't that the right thing to do for the Titans with those two guys is to say, look, let's just get it out of the way. Let's meet with the press and let's do it now. Yeah, handled it perfectly. You know, didn't say much about either. Petit Frere talked a little bit more freely. His offense, obviously, less less concerning. It's not a criminal charge. It's a it's a a thing we all agree is kind of a ridiculous policy by the league. He needs to be smarter, not get himself suspended, not cost himself six six games of salary, and not put the Titans in a, in a hole. Uh, you know, I. It, Outside of putting the Titans in a hole, I don't find it to be, you know, a terrible thing. Haskins is an interesting story here because I think it should hang over him uh, harder or or more, cast a pall over over his presence. But I don't know how exactly uh, you do that. I mean, I'm not talking about Haskins on a regular basis. He's not a giant factor on the team, but there's a good chance he's on this roster. He's got a, a court date the day after cutdown day cutdown day's the 29th he's got a court appearance on the 30th we know that court appearance isn't going to resolve this case it's just going to probably set another date um they've talked about giving him his due process and let things play out and so it's going to hover over him but it's kind of uh the media's determines how much it hovers over him i feel like it should hover over him but i don't know how to really make it stick outside of every time you mention him you say who's got a felony charge right. hanging over him but i don't talk about him that much to to say it so it's kind of an awkward situation well com- compare that then to the kevin byard contract conversation i know you talked to ran out at the at the owners meeting sort of about it he, he had been asked about the derrick henry being shopped at the combine like he was sort of working through some stories behind the scenes and publicly and the Kevin Byard, like they didn't exactly give Kevin Byard access at at at, at practice when he first came back. Uh, it then just sort of ends because the contract gets renegotiated. Um, what what is it because it's Kevin Byard and the All Pro star face of the franchise that gets different treatment than Hassan Haskins, the third string running back that we don't talk about? Well, he waited uh, three days when he when he came to to the mini camp to talk, and then Byard addressed you know addressed things and said he was cool with everybody. This is before he redid his contract. And so, you know, I think I wrote, you know, he says, everything's cool. I don't, I don't really buy it, but they've got no, he's got no choice, but to kind of move on. And, and he didn't lose any money. He maybe, you know, lost a little pride. Then when the Hopkins deal came around, it turned out to be Kevin Byard did take, uh, you know, a 3 million plus, and people were calling it a restructure. It was not a standard restructure. In a standard restructure, you get more money up front. He did not get more money up front. He gave up a little over $3 million out of this year's money and made it next year's money. The thing is, he needs to be on the roster next year in order to get that money. Now, I think they'd, you know, presuming that Kevin Byard is Kevin Byard this year, I think they'd be foolish not to have him on the roster next year. Money is not a big issue for the Titans next year, particularly if they don't re-sign Ryan Tannehill. Um, So he could come out of this hole and look heroic. You know, players get treated as heroes all the time for restructuring deals that help make room for new guys when they've done nothing. (laughs) They, they, They get a check 
uh, earlier than they would have before. And fans just refuse to understand this and want to hail guys as a hero. Kevin yeah, there's Byers, actual there's actually, actual risk involved here. Uh, well, what's the risk? I mean, I mean, the risk is he gets something could, something could happen to Bayer next year, and this money that's that's been pushed to a to a later time, he doesn't actually get. Oh yeah, no, for Bayer there's risk. Yeah, yeah, on that's a general what I mean. restructure. There's no risk on a general restructure. Right, right. You win, and then fans salute you right. after you're cashing earlier money. Fans are like, <laughs> oh. This guy took a hit for the Titans. He's so generous. He's so giving. He's not. He he did nothing. He he benefits. On this one, yeah, Bayard is taking a risk. And I don't know if he did it out of the goodness of his heart or how much, you know, pressure they put on him. But I mean, you have to give the Titans credit for what they've done financially this offseason. They didn't touch Ryan Tannehill which seemed like it was going to be impossible not to adjust his money in some way, shape or form, which looked like it was going to have to be an extension, at least dealing with the, you know, a one-year extension with voidable years to get his cap number done. They didn't do it. So they've got all the leverage with him going forward. Presumably if he's great, you know, he could be in position to go somewhere else, but odds are he's going to want to be here and they're going to want to have him, depending on how the kids develop. And uh, and they won with Bayer um, in terms of getting him to take less money this year. Um, and the people they cut, you know, Zach Cunningham, they didn't want. Bud Dupree, you know, they didn't necessarily want at that price. Taylor Lewan was done. You know, people around the league are making it like they gutted themselves of great players that they didn't. Why do you think? Why do you think that that hasn't been a bigger story? Is it because? Financial response—I I say financial responsibility. Maybe, maybe there's a better term here for it. Is not a very sexy thing, as opposed to, you know, teams that teams that are that are hacking off limbs left and right in order to, in, in order to to adjust to a, a dire salary cap situation. I mean, that's a that's a that's a much kind of sexier story than than just not, yeah. Not only has it not been a big story, the Titans are kind of getting hit for it because what they're doing here is kind of straddling, right? They didn't go rebuild, and they drafted the guy they hope is their future quarterback and the guy they hope is their future running back. So they've got Will Levis and Tajay Spears. And so I listened to, uh, I think it was a, a, a Ringer podcast previewing the AFC South, and I respect those guys, but they were saying, well, we don't know what the Titans are because they're trying to be good this year and set themselves up for next year. And they said this like it was a bad thing, like they didn't decide. <laughs> well, why can't you try to be good this year and set yourself up where you don't have to crash and burn? I mean, it may not work, but it seems to me to be a very reasonable, sensible approach. Imagine if the Titans win the AFC South this year and are in position where they feel good enough about Will Levis next year that they can have, uh, uh, you know, what we used to have in the U.S. government, uh, a peaceful exchange of power in the in the <laughs> White House that is the, the, the starting quarterback position. How was that? Yeah, I like that. Uh, I like that. <laughs> So, you know, Will Levis, mean, Will Levis is leading an insurrection now. I like it. Yeah, no, he's, he's not going to lead an insurrection. He's just going to, you he's know, gonna... get the letter in the desk from Ryan Tannehill, who 
you know, would conceivably be at his inauguration. That's a little bit of a stretch, but um, <laughs> I know I, I got the wrong one. It would have been Tannehill leading the insurrection. I apologize. Right. I, I screwed up the analogy. I'm sorry. But I mean, it's conceivable they do this. And if they pull it off, it'll be relatively, uh, you know, unprecedented or, or very rare. Yet they're getting bashed for trying to do it. I, I don't know why you would bash them for trying to do it. I mean, I think they're getting bashed for trying to do it because people think they'll be bad this year yeah. and they should have maybe bottomed out. But I don't see why they won't contend with the Jaguars this year. That I mean, they're playing the NFC South, so with the Jaguars, but that's an easy division. The Colts and the Texans are going to be bad rebuilding teams. And the Titans get... Uh, the Chargers, the Seahawks, and the Dolphins, good teams. Well, the Jaguars get um, San Francisco, Buffalo, and Kansas City. Yeah. You know, there's a schedule gap there uh, that the second place finish last year pays off in, in that regard. And, yeah. and and Mike Rabel, you know, lost seven games in a row last year because of the injury thing. They've been healthier so far outside of this Burks thing, which isn't as bad as, as it looked. You know, yeah, I, I like their chances to be a lot better than what most people are thinking. You, um, you and I were chatting about this at practice the other day. Last Thursday was one of their worst practices on offense. How how do you know what to report on? What you see because we're not in the meeting rooms and watching the tape and seeing what's a good rep and what's a bad rep. And I mean, you've been out there a long time, many years doing this, covering camps. How do you know what the right stories are to write at training camp? Well, I try to stay away from training camp specific or practice specific stories. I mean, I wrote one last week uh, because there's such a Willis Levis fervor that came out of that and said, well, I'm going to watch Ryan Tannehill really closely today and write about Ryan Tannehill. He had a terrific day. I think he was 13 of 16 and in command, which is kind of what I expected. And I wrote, you know, let's not forget about this guy. He's the starter He's the guy, you know, that they tailored this new offense to, to a degree. He's mastered it. Everybody's talking about his excellence. We're obsessing over this competition for number two. And, and here's the guy that's going to be at the controls and you should feel pretty good about that. But otherwise, you know, I'm looking for things that everybody's writing about what happened today at camp. Now I'm doing that here in Minnesota, obviously, because it's, it's newsy. But otherwise, I'm I'm trying to look for things like um, Mike Vrabel mentioned the other day that covering kicks, he thinks, is the hardest skill in the league. And that really perked my ears. And I asked him for a follow up about why he thinks that's the case. And when we get back to Nashville, I'll be talking to some of the guys who do that and getting into the into more granular reasons why that may be the case and writing a story like that that i don't think is going to come somewhere else and that's my goal at paulkurski.com is to do something different as often as i as i can paul i'm i'm interested in few people have this kind of a holistic view of the state of titans information issue uh where do you think for for consumers of titans information this year are we are we trending better about the same or worse in terms of the overall amount and quality of, uh, of, of Titans information that's coming from independent outlets? Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's bad overall. I mean, if you piece together uh, 
Rex Road doing a, a periodic big, big piece. Um, and, and, uh, Tehran doing, um, you know, kind of the, the every couple days, something big on a big theme at ESPN and A to Z doing, uh, you know, almost play by play out of, out of, um, these practices and, um, and the Tennessean doing kind of, more of an old school, my perception is, uh, beat kind of, I don't want to call it standard because that downgrades it, but you know, uh, kind of what you'd expect from a newspaper wise, which isn't a, isn't a bad thing still is a, is a, is a piece that you want. Um, and, and me trying to do something off the, the beaten path as often as I can. And I apologize if I've forgotten an outlet there. Um, I, I think the puzzle is if you're a consumer of Titan stuff and you read all of that stuff, which you should. Um, and I know there are a couple subscriptions involved there. I think you're getting a pretty good overview of the team. If you combine all of that, my, my beef with a Titans fan would be if you're, if you're not, if you really want a full picture of the team, and you're just reading the team website, uh, you know, I think you're really selling yourself short. I mean, if you want state run radio, you can get that. It's okay to, to <laughs> want to want that, but it's also important to get other things as well. I think that's I think that's uh, completely fair. Um, do you find that like we are obsessed with those like these individual daily, pr- not me personally, but like fans with the individual daily practice report stuff? Is it just because it's filling a need until we get to an actual football game? Like I even find that the, the game itself against the Bears and then the Vikings coming up, like the, even the practices are more interesting. Like you said, they're more newsy. Do you find all of the stuff that we stress about, you know, as Traylon Burks last year, like everything that turns into a big clicky sort of interest piece at this time of year just disappears the second they kick off week one? Yeah, I think we've done a relatively good job of uh my sense of the fan base is a relatively good job of being calmer. Maybe that's because there's no young receiver that's like stood out amongst, you know, uh, Robertson and Kiaris Jackson and, and, uh, and I'm forgetting one or two here have been bunched together. And so there's no star of that group that everybody's rooting for, you know, NWI's had a bad camp with way too many drops. And some people are saying, well, get rid of him, get rid of him. Well, there's nobody on his back to to take that spot away. Um, you know, I think the offensive line has gotten a lot of attention and should. You know, last yesterday, the offensive line got got pushed around pretty good, I think. I, I wasn't watching the defense, but that, that was the buzz. And um, certainly – Titans receivers had a hard time against um, the Vikings defensive backs. Part of it was the win, but a lot of us were saying, you know, Minnesota's defense is a lot different than Chicago's. But I, I think the overreaction meter has been down uh, with this team, maybe because it's looked better than a lot of people expected. Um, maybe because one of the big storylines has been the two young quarterbacks and, you know, that's been kind of level and there hasn't been, anything giant to go crazy about. I, I'm not sure, but in totality, I don't think there have been 
performances that have uh, been kind of that that bait on the hook for fans to bite on and go crazy with. Well, and a, and a, and I think to your point about Tannehill, the 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 backup quarterback conversation is also it has it's no risk to the team essentially, right? Like that's it's a really heated, fun, optimistic, hopeful debate about the future. Yeah, has no real impact on wins or losses this season, so it's easy to get into that conversation with no, like you're not you're not vesting anything for this year's team into that debate if you're a fan, right? Unless or until Tannehill gets hurt, but that's (laughs) an unknown, right? Yeah, you're 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 absolutely right. Uh, All right, well, great stuff up there from Minnesota. We do appreciate you giving us some time while you're on the road. We do appreciate it, and we'll we'll talk again here as the season unfolds and we see what this new front office and the analytics look like. There's lots of stuff to talk with you about, so we'll do that. Uh, coming up a little bit later in the year, but we do appreciate it. Thanks, PK. I painted. I painted this. Um, in oh yeah, time last Is night. Watercolor. Or? Yeah, it's still drying. <laughs> I, I don't really worry about what the the paint or the canvas is, whatever's available. I just use Yeah. It. You're an artist. You're just an artist. That's all it is. <laughs> Thank you, Paul. Appreciate it. Thanks guys. That was Paul Kaharski of paulkaharski.com. Uh, and of course, go subscribe to that uh, website. If you want good quality coverage and go check out the Paul Kaharski podcast right here on the 440 sports network. So there you go. Uh, make sure you check out all of PK's work there. Uh, and we'll get to the state of the Titans press corps and some recommendations in just a second. But of course, Lamestream Sports is brought to you by Jaspers. Always brought to you by Jaspers. So here's the question, Steve. I've got a journey to explain, and then I need some advice from you. And as usual, which is what happens <laughs> in our relationship. <laughs> um, so I, I have two tickets to the match. Miami, Nashville, SC, as a season ticket holder. Since the USL days, by the way, I might add. So I've been there from the beginning. And so I got my two tickets immediately, immediately after the game. After after they beat Monterey, I get my two tickets. And my seats cost a grand total of $33. Two tickets in the family section. So face value for me to get into the messy match in my home stadium, the largest soccer-specific stadium in North America, one of the most beautiful buildings ever built in this city, $16 a piece. Pretty good wow. face value, Dick. Pretty pretty good face value. But, wow. But here's my here's where my journey gets complicated, and you guys can already tell where this is going. Go to Jasper's. It's where it should. It's where it probably will end up taking me. <laughs> it's, to, it's to Jasper's. So I I get in on a season ticket holder sale that gets released a little bit earlier, right? They were releasing the season ticket sales to the pub to the season ticket holders first. So I get on, I log in, shit's moving real fast. 10 a.m. on I think it was Wednesday morning. It's going, it's it's boom, boom, boom. It's fast, it's fast, it's fast. I get like standing room only is like $307 face value. I get a few tickets where I could buy them. It's not the club side, it's the east side, and but it's upper deck, right? 350, 360 bucks a piece. I could get two tickets for around $700. I sit there and I look at it and I've got my seven minute counter ticking down on the Ticketmaster thing. And I'm going, I just don't know if the margins are worth it. Because all I'm going to do is buy the two to turn around and sell them, which would probably end up going to which kind of fans, Steve? Miami fans? Messi fans? I, I shouldn't I shouldn't even say Miami fans. There are no such thing as Miami fans. I mean, there, <laughs> there might be like in the greater Fort Lauderdale area. But I mean, there are no there are no like true Miami fans. There are lots of Lionel Messi fans. Yeah. yeah. Uh, go to Jasper's. So I decided 
against purchasing those to extra tickets because I was going to try to get some for some friends. And then I texted everybody and was like, look, these face value are like 350 bucks. Do you still want them? And everyone was like, no. So it's going to be a very different atmosphere on Saturday night, just in general, because it's it's about the celebration of Messi almost as much as it is about, you know, Nashville SC maybe winning its first trophy. So it's its first piece of silverware, as they say. Uh, and so I think... I think to myself, I can't do it. I don't want to do the margins. If I sell these for five or 600 a piece, okay, I've made a little bit money, but what happens if I can't? I don't know if you studied the ticket prices on Wednesday, Steve. But Wednesday? I, Wednesday. They were sky high. Yes. I think they got up to, I think a couple of first row seats were in the five $6,000 per ticket range. Yep. Which is bonkers <laughs> for any any sport. <laughs> Uh, even for Messi, the greatest of all time. And I was I was filled with regret that I had not sold, bought and sold my tickets. And maybe I could have flipped them quickly and made some money like penny stock traders do in that and like living on the edge and just being on the internet all day Wednesday morning. I could have maybe I could have done that. Maybe that's what I should have done. Bought it 700, sold for 1400 and gotten out right away. What would right? have, what would have happened if you had bought them and held on to them until today as we tape on Thursday? <laughs> One day later, there are now tickets still available through original sale, not resale, but original sale at like 370 a piece. So, not all that different than what I would have paid. And again, there was this huge pop, this huge market rush. And had I sold them immediately, Steve, it would have been a great decision. I could have bought them at 700, maybe sold them for 1500. I don't know. But do do you think first question is, did I make the right decision to not by not buying? Yes, you made you made the right decision. You think you think so? Okay, Uh, absolutely. Okay, I feel better about myself now. Absolutely. Now, the second decision, the one in which you sell out and go to Jasper's go to jaspers uh i i torn on the torn on this one (laughs) okay so here's now here's the because here's the thing i'm 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 basically zero dollars committed you know like 33 bucks is 33 bucks it's not a lot of money but but here's the thing here's the debate we really have to and and it's and my wife said to me god bless her soul she said to me she goes brayden look if you want to take someone else it's okay and i'm like no 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 no. this is no longer a decision uh, that i'm making alone (laughs) This is this is a decision that you and I are making together to either go to the match together and watch the greatest player that's ever lived and maybe the biggest and most popular athlete that the world will have ever seen by the time it's all said and done. I guess I have to add the context that we will probably have Messi coming to town next year. I think we already are scheduled for that if he is alive and playing on Miami next year, which he should be. So we do get Messi in Nashville for as, as a season ticket holder next year. But... This could be my only chance. He could be injured. He might be out. Who knows? Could be my only chance ever to see him. Respectfully, you're thinking about this the wrong way. You're, or, you're, you're absolutely thinking about this the wrong way. You could see Messi next year. Absolutely. You, you can. You'll never get a chance to see Nashville SC play Messi with the stakes this high. There is silverware on the table. You, you, that that it is a it is a final, and I, and I know the league's cup is a new is a new tournament. It's a real tournament. <laughs> I mean, ask anybody who's played in these games. These are this, yeah. this is not some. There are teams that that ask Club America fans if it's a real tournament or not. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are teams that took this lightly, and by the way, they are gone. 
Yep. They they they, yep. they exited the tournament early. This is a this is a real thing. This is real silverware. Yeah. I mean, and if you if you have a chance to see your team with silverware on the line, uh, you take that opportunity every single time. Yes. So that is the debate. Do I take the chance to see my team? This is not a debate. With the chance to win the silverware against the greatest of all time and, and take my wife on the most expensive date that we've ever had as a couple. Or do I sell both of them for maybe what I could probably get is maybe 400 bucks a ticket, maybe, which is almost 100% profit on $33. I, I, it feels like a pretty first world problem to turn down seven or $800 and go watch Messi. But I am $0. I'm basically $33 committed to this. So like it's we're, we're going to get to go see Messi against my team trying to win us a, a trophy for, for basically nothing. You know, yeah, like, I mean, it, it's it's not like it, it's not like you had the choice of do I pay a thousand bucks right, a ticket right, to, right. to see my team right. try to try to win a trophy. That's not it. You're in it already for no cost. For Go, no to Jaspers. Cost. Go to Jaspers. I, I don't know. All right. This OK, is, OK. You've got, you, I know. I Listen, I was pretty sold on not selling. Number one, I'd like the atmosphere to have some Nashville. I see people there. Hey, Haley, <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> But like she, she's in on going to it. She's like, I yeah. want to. She's like, I want to. I want a date night, man. And I'm like, I don't think you understand. Now on Tuesday and when, like on Wednesday, I was like, okay, if these tickets stay at a thousand dollars a pop, there's no way. There's no way we're going. But right. they're back down to like 300, 350, and I guess we all have a price. So, so, so we're going. We're pro- right now. We're not going to Jasper's to watch the match. We're going to the the game. If the tickets change price by Saturday around three o'clock. Eh, we might have a decision to make. Yeah, maybe we shall, we shall see. Go to Jasper's, everybody. Um, Go to Jasper's. It's going to be a fun match. Like I think it's. Uh, so we were debating. This is a different subject, but I want to talk Titans here in a second. But we we were debating who who because I think Gretzky played here one time in like '98 or '99 against the Preds. We've had Tom Brady come to town a number of times, right? And we were trying to discuss like the gravity of Messi playing in a match in Nashville relative to other elite players that have athletic competition that's taken place in Nashville. This was on one of my, my buddies group threads. And they, there was a lot of debate going on about, you know, Messi in soccer versus Jordan in basketball versus Gretzky in hockey, you know, Brady, maybe in football, like where, where does Messi rank relative to other things that have happened in this sport? And I think Gretzky and Brady are probably the only two, Unless you're going to go back to like Wilma Rudolph running at TSU, you know, like I don't know what else would be comparable. I, the the only thing I would say is that Brady, you're one of twenty two on a field. Gretzky, you're you know you're one of twelve. Messi controls the game and influences the game. I I, I think at his at at the peak of his powers, as 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 well as anyone. I think Messi's one more. <laughs> Quite frankly, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, well, here's I, the, here's I respect, the, I respect that that Tom Brady is is the best quarterback in the history of the NFL. I don't even but, agree with that. the The argument is Gretzky because the gap between yeah. Gretzky and everyone else in hockey history is larger than the gap between Brady and everyone else in football history. And and frankly, while Messi is probably the greatest of all time, the way Gretzky is. There are there are arguments for a few other people, right? Whether it's Pele or Ronaldo or whatever, like whoever you want to make the case for, there are some players that are on that are close, right? Whereas Gretzky is viewed as sort of head and shoulders above everybody else. 
I, I, the only thing I would only thing I would say to that though, and this and this applies to football too, is when when you're talking about the universe of those people within the within that sport, the the number of people playing that sport is relatively small. I mean, soccer is the biggest is the most played game in the world, and the 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 universe of professional soccer and club soccer is the entire world. You know, when you see a when you, when you see like the World Hockey Championships, you're basically talking, you know, two Canada nations, and, two nations in North America, and and some Europeans. No, it, no, it's, it's, it's Scandinavia, Russia, it's, and Canada. You know, it, it's not like you're seeing, you know, no, I know, I know, the you know Thailand put up put up a put a team in the in the World Hockey Championship. But that there is, and there's, there's also a difference between like U.S. Uh, prominence, uh, brand equity. You know the scope and of appreciation and how big, quote unquote, how big you are in the United States versus how big you are in the world. Those are two different things. Like Jordan and Messi are above Brady and Gretzky by miles in the in the world. Brady in the United States, there's like nobody bigger than than Brady or Peyton Manning in the United States because football is so much bigger here than anywhere else. And I think Messi's in, and this we could go off on a bunch of different conversations. I hope that this how Nashville SC is playing in this tournament is how they're going to kickstart themselves into the final stretch of the season. Like there's a lot of other conversations here, but I think Messi's goal in conquering the United States is to be bigger than Jordan. And the only, the only way you can be bigger than Jordan is to also conquer the United States. And that is what he is here to do in my opinion. So we'll see. Uh, Yeah. Go, go SC. (laughs) Yeah. Go SC. And, and, and don't, don't let this be lost in, in all of this. This is a dead, even game. I mean, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the 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 thing that's kind of fascinating about this is is it's going to be perceived that that Nashville are underdogs here, and and certainly Messi has come to this league and done some pretty amazing stuff right out of the gate, playing pretty well. But the inner some might say playing too well, too good for a Hollywood script. Some might say uh, the scriptwriters at Apple have been working overtime on this. <laughs> this is what they did after Lasso went off the air. This is what they have been working on. Inter Miami still has the same shitball defense that they had that they had <laughs> earlier in the season, and it's why that they are uh, last in the East and likely will not make the playoffs. It's been papered over by the fact that you have like yeah. you know Barcelona, you know Barcelona 2012 now essentially out on the field. I want a I want a long, just insane run in the 93rd minute for, with a Hani Mukhtar game winner after Messi scored a goal to take the lead earlier in the match. That's what I want. I want the league MVP to score a game winner after watching Messi score a goal too. That, that I'm, repeat, not, I to, I'm not. I'm not going to. I want a repeat of the Minnesota game from last week and have it be five zero. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, if I'm going to be there, you got to. I want to see Messi score a goal. Come on, that's okay for me to root for that. I just don't want to lose the match. That being that being said, of course, club and country podcast. Go check it out. First recommendation on the show, Wes and Tim. By the way, Wes now of News Channel Five fame. Uh, Wes Bowling and Tim Sullivan did a great job previewing the match on a very specific show that came out right after the win over Monterey. So there's an, a dedicated messy match goal uh, league cup preview. So go check that out. Um, yes. West bowling was a guest on news channel five was interviewed as the host of the club and country podcast. It was on the lower third right there. So there you go. So go check out the, the great episode. Big this moment week. for the network. <laughs> big, big moment. Big moment. Network. Uh, go check it out. Of course. Uh, uh, right here, of course, on 440 Sports. Okay, state of the Titans media core. Can you just give me a sense of 
how you feel it has evolved. We have a very different type of environment with the advent of all the digital stuff that has now proliferated the market. We talked with Nick Suss on, on last week's episode. Really good storyteller. I recommend that episode. Uh, where do you think that we, we are from 98 to 2008 to 2018 until today? How, how do you see where coverage has gone? Uh, I think we hit a peak here several years ago when when you had the athletic, uh, you know, staffing it as a beat operation on a regular basis. And so you had between the athletic and ESPN having essentially full-time Titans beat writers in addition to uh, the Tennessean and then all of the other pieces around that, you know, Paul and A to Z and, and, and others. I, I think that was probably the, the, the peak of having the most possible Titans information simply because you had, you had so many people on the beat. Can I make one, one argument about that? Sure. Because Paul, of course, was the ESPN Nation reporter. At one time, he had to cover all of the AFC South. He then became just a Titans beat reporter, but is still on the beat. And now you have Tehran. So that's plus. That's a that's an addition because you've got a great reporter in Tehran and a great reporter in PK. Ben Arthur used to be on the beat, is now still on the beat, but covers the rest of the AFC South. And you've added Nick Suss along with Gentry at the Tennessee. And so now you're plus one there, too. Because Fox Sports did not have somebody on the beat, so now you still have, you still get Ben and PK, but now you've added the beat reporters in there. I think companies like mine and A to Z have cropped up and and are adding coverage in a different way to the to the beat as well. Uh, Broadway Sports Media is another one that's added coverage to the beat as well in a different way. I think I I think I would argue that it is healthier today than it was a little while ago. I mean, not having Wyatt on the beat is is going to hurt your your coverage. There's a few others. That are there. You still have Rex Road from the Athletic that's covering it. You still have both radio stations that cover it. I don't know. Do you not I mean, see? In all fairness to Rex Road, uh, you know, I mean, he gets pulled in. He gets pulled in a bunch of different directions. Now I know he's gonna he's gonna do his his beat is gonna be more Titan centric right now than it is otherwise. But I mean, he's gonna have to pay attention to. He's gonna have to pay attention to Vanderbilt. He's gonna have to pay attention sure. to. I mean, he's not he's not a beat writer. Uh, and and that's part of the athletics retrenchment and and getting rid of some beat coverage. Here's um, here's a nugget. Not Joe probably hate me for saying this, but I don't know what the, this is. Not recent, but a couple of years ago, at that time you're talking about, nobody read nobody read Titans articles on the athletic. They did. I'm talking like clicks. They got no traffic. Predators coverage got a lot of traffic and drove yeah. a lot of subscriptions. Um, there's a reason why. Uh, and then. It was not getting it, that Titans coverage was not working at the athletic for whatever right, but reason. If, but, right. But if you're if you're asking me kind of like what was the what was the best sort of moment there for consumers? I think that was it because you had you had so many people covering covering the beat and covering it in 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 different and myriad ways. I mean, you know, his first year, his his year on that beat, Travis Haney wrote a lot of stuff in a really interesting fashion that nobody, that, that nobody else was, nobody else was covering it like that. They had, they had, a, they had a mandate to do it, a I mandate to, to do it differently. He, um, he's a very good reporter and he did a great job. I don't know if anyone was reading it. Uh, you're asking me the, the, like, what was the, what was the best part of it? Oh, that's true. That's, that's valid. I, I think, I guess maybe part of the reason I wanted to ask that is I think Paul is very critical of the press 
in general and situations that we are in, in general. You are as well, and rightly so, for a lot of really right and, and correct reasons. I just I, I see a lot of diversity in the press corps more than I've seen in a long time. Men, women, different perspectives. There's a couple of really great black reporters on the beat, which I think is important. Like it is a very I think it's a pretty diverse press corps relative to our size and our market and the team's interest. And I think it's better. I think it's getting better all the time. Like I really do think it's getting better. Now, to Paul's point, is anyone able to break the Ian Rappaport story or the Adam Schefter story anymore? That I don't know. I, I don't know if that I don't know if we're ever going to get back to that. Yeah. I mean, that that is a that is a decision that's made at a high level. I mean, GMs around the league and you know, vice presidents of player personnel and and whoever have made have kind of made this internal decision that that they are going to have they're going to have relationships with with national outlets and let them break news and you know before the local beat guys and i i think that's you know i i think that's bad but i mean they they're thinking about that their constituency often is not the is not the local fan base their constituency yep. is the league yep yeah, which which is a bummer. Um, but you kind of understand how it's consolidated that way. Yeah. I just think to your point and your question to Paul about like if I'm a fan right now, I have a lot of really interesting options. I just yeah. think you, no, I can. I'm, I can I'm not sub- saying it, I'm not saying it's not good. I think it is. I mean, I, I think I, and I think and you know the uh, <laughs> a mutual friend of ours uh, uh, after Nick uh, was on here a couple of weeks ago said texted me and said said wow that was a really inter- interesting interview with what seems like a really interesting guy what's the over under on how long is it the tennessean wow. <laughs> and i was like I, I was like well you're not wrong yeah yeah i i think um I, I think it's just very different uh like i agree with you like if you're talking about the traditional newspaper reporters it's it's very different uh, but if you're a fan of the product of the Titans and you want to get Homer stuff like we joked about, if I want to get hot take debate shows, if I want to get, you know, if I want to watch Buck do do a game show about the Titans every night, like. And to be clear, I don't want to. No, I don't. I don't. I know. I, I, I know. But like if I want to read subscription based, high quality content, I've got that. I've got video shows i've got podcasts i've got everything you know like and then you've got traditional guys like steve layman and john burton that do an excellent job on their t- traditional platform like i just think there's a lot of diversity of diversity of thought a diversity of execution and i think it's better than when i first started carving the team in 2016 that's that would that would be my sort of and maybe i'm wrong but like i think it is i think it's better so um cool. <laughs> there you go thanks paul for joining us okay quickly give me some give me your recommendations uh for the week uh obviously if you're into the runoff election i'll do this for you nationalbanner.com if you'd like to see how each campaign is faring in the runoff i i, I would I, I mean i'm gonna echo i mean not to sit here and just blow smoke up each other's ass for a minute but oh, um it's my favorite thing to do <laughs> the, the club and country podcast is really good um and Tim and Wes are Tim and Wes are always really good. But um, uh, the, this week's episode where they where they they were they cover the Monterey game, and then they 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 pivot into sort of like the the, the uh, looking forward to the Miami game is really good. Uh, and and if you're a Nashville SC fan, uh, those those guys uh, those guys have have such a great handle on on what this team is right now. 
and it's and it's not a perfect team, but but it is a uh, it, it is a very good team, and and kind of they have an understanding, I think, of how yeah. this team operates better than better than almost anybody else around. And, and if a six million dollar uh, DP striker keeps scoring goals in the 99th minute, they might be I mean, pretty damn. They might be pretty damn tough to beat. <laughs> so, I mean, it's yeah, so. it, it, it's just it's just that simple. When 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 the when you sign the expensive guy and he yeah. just keeps scoring, yeah, it looks pretty easy. Yep. So uh, obviously, there you go. Just more smoke uh, for the each of us, for, for both yeah. of us. So there Nashville Banner and the 440 Sports Network. There you have it. Uh, I did watch uh, Somebody Somewhere, right? Is that that was your recommendation yep. a yep. couple of weeks ago? If you're, it's very dry. It does have that very similar sort of that that wholesome charm that that Schitt's Creek and Ted Lasso and and uh, Shrinking have. It does have some of that where like they're disgusting. They're, they can talk about disgusting topics and make disgusting jokes and cuss, but like it still feels kind of like wholesome and like small towny. It does feel like they're going. This is my one observation. I enjoy it. My wife really enjoys it. I like it. It's almost like they are they're going too. they're leaning too hard into the Shit's Creek thing. Like the little they have the little store that's almost identical to the apothecary. They got the he's the the ex-husband is sleeping in a motel it's very similar to the Shits creek motel like there, there's not there's almost too many parallels between the two but other than that it's very it's very entertaining i recommend it as well uh, it's very good i i can't wait for you guys to get through season two and like i said these are short seasons these are like you know we did in two half days. hour episodes they're 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 like like eight episodes in a season um it, it's very easy to just kind of like knock this out it's yep. A, yep. It, it, it is it is quite good yeah, we did it in two. We did the whole first season. It's seven episodes. We did it in two days. So awesome. There you have it. Um, otherwise, I think that does it for us. Uh, thanks for Paul for joining us. Uh, tune in next week to find out if I sold my tickets or not. And if I did, I'm going to go to Jasper's to watch the match on Saturday night because I can park for free and spend all thousand dollars on five dollar beers and really good appetizers. <laughs> <laughs> I may be hosting this alone if you spend it all on five dollar beers. That's a good point. Oh, you're going to be dead. Yeah, I'll be dead at that point. Uh, thanks to PK, of course. Uh, go check out his show on our network. Go check out the Nashville Banner as well and all the other great shows across our network. We really appreciate you guys. Uh, enjoy the match. Enjoy the weekend. Thanks for listening. Rate, review, subscribe. Go to Jasper's, everybody. We'll talk to you next week.